Welcome back to Hemp Barons, everyone. I'm host Joy Beckerman, and I'm privileged and pleased to get the first IND Hemp interview with my dear colleague and comrade, Greg Nieko, their Director of Sales and Marketing. Well, folks, as we move into this election, it's really important for us to understand some of the complexities around voting this year. Uh, as we know, there have been some challenges around mail-in voting, casting your votes in person. This is the most important election of our lives, and we need for everyone to get out there and to vote. Please do not listen to apathy, to conspiracy theories, to voter suppression techniques telling you to be afraid about law enforcement that will be there waiting for you if you're going going to a, a place to drop off your ballot. Uh, don't listen to, dis, to disinformation campaigns that tell you your vote doesn't count. Your vote absolutely counts, and we need your vote to be counted and for your voice to be heard. The most important thing to do is to check the status of your registration. Do not wait until the last minute. This is something you need to do right now because if there is an issue with your address, it can be easily corrected, but it needs to be done now so you get your ballot in time. And if you are planning to use the mail, that you mail it early because we're having delays in the postal system in case you haven't heard. So you need to get that ballot in the mail or otherwise make sure that you return it in person to a ballot collecting location. And where can you get all of this information in one place? Vote.gov. That's V-O-T-E dot G-O-V. You can go to vote.gov, find out the status of your registration, update your address, request an absentee ballot, find out where the polling places are, and if that information is going to change along the way because of COVID or other reasons that we can't predict at the time of this taping, vote.gov will be able to give you those updates. Vote.gov is your friend. It is a great place for information. It is the most empowering website we have right now. Follow the instructions on your ballot when you get it. It is so important. There will be an intentional slowing of the mail. So it's really important that you properly complete it and get it in the mail as soon as possible. There are directions on your ballot. So be sure to sign it and date it where instructed and how instructed. If it's telling you to use blue or black pen, use blue or black pen, not red, not pencil. Follow those instructions. Do not give any excuse for your vote not to be counted. Oftentimes, mail-in ballots also come with instructions to tear off a stub. In many Many states, that stub is a receipt that corresponds with your ballot. So keep it so you can check to make sure your vote was actually counted after you lodge it. Finally, keep in mind that many states actually have laws that prohibit people sharing their ballot. So if you're not sure what the law is, don't post pictures of your ballot saying, hey, everybody vote this way. In Washington state, for example, where I live, it's not lawful for me to post a picture of my ballot and then publicize it. So just keep that in mind. The most important thing, everyone, is to check your voter registration now. Get that absentee ballot mailed. If you're not in a state that's automatically going to mail it to you, fill it out correctly. Double check that you filled it out correctly and get it in the mail now or make sure you drop it in person on time at a ballot location. Your vote counts and we can do this. So, Without further ado, I give you Greg Nieko and some very exciting news for the hemp industry in the United States of America. Until next week, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and get registered to vote. Well, welcome to Hemp Barons, Greg Nieko. It sure is wonderful having you here today. 
Oh, it's wonderful to join you here on Hemp Baron's Joy. You're a real true trailblazer. Talk about chopping the wood and carrying the water, creating infrastructure, demand, supply for this beautiful, versatile, viable crop where it didn't exist before. You and your incredible wife, Tanya Farman, and this tremendous team uh, at IND Hemp have just done some tremendous work. I want to start of where you and I met each other, where we first met each other, how we met, and then talk a little bit about Hemp Northwest's tremendous groundbreaking and cutting edge journey um, as we move into the really exciting announcement of what you're doing today and the evolution of that journey. Greg, it was really a spiritual experience and not an unusual experience as the unfolding of hemp's lotus petals uh, tend to go of how we met, brother. I remember getting a phone call while I was speaking at the Provender Alliance Conference, which is the, the nation's oldest natural food and natural grocer uh, conference. It's some 46 years old by the time I was speaking there. And I got a call from you while I was there in Hood River. Care to remember or, or share? Share the rest of that story with the audience, sir. Yeah, well, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Um, but at the time, I was working uh, in the action sports industry. I had been in the action sports industry for probably 25 years. And I had a back injury that laid me up for about eight weeks. I didn't walk for about eight weeks. And during that time, the only thing I could do was hang upside down from a uh, gravity table and physically stretch my spine. Uh, I opted not to have the eight inch needle in the spine. I actually got up off the table and didn't want to pay $800 to get an eight inch needle in my spine that wouldn't help anything. And so obviously I uh, turned to cannabinoids to help with that. And then also I was hanging upside down and I was questioning, what am I doing with my life and where am I at? And started looking into things. And uh, it was my wife, actually, Tanya Farman, that freed me in my head and said, maybe it's time for you to move on and do something else. And mm. I started thinking about that. And she said, so if you did something else, what would you do? And I started thinking and looking around and I came across an article of which you were in the early planting and realized that uh, hemp had been planted in Washington state in 2017. And I will admit uh, I'm one of the old hempsters. Uh, I got Jack's Harris book uh, in the early nineties probably in the parking lot of a dead show or something. The, the last few, I was the last generation to see stuff. And uh, I always had this belief that really the, the removal of hemp from society was one of the biggest slight against humanity. And at the time being young, I couldn't do anything about it. I appreciate folks like you, Joy, that have fought the fight since the 90s. I went off and had fun and sold recreational products and traveled the world and did a lot of great things. And then I found myself at this point where it was time to do something different and hemp was in my backyard and it's uh, part of my core value system. And so I looked out to say, how could I get involved in this hemp and who was involved in hemp in Washington? And, oh, who's this Joy Beckerman woman? I ended up on your website from that news article. Wouldn't you know, I pull up the website and you had a schedule of speaking engagements and you were speaking a mile from my office. I could see the building from the thing. And I said, I need to reach out to this joy girl and see what it's all about. And so that was day one of uh, the hemp lifestyle for me. 
And really, you're talking about a very successful career that you had in international logistics uh, with sporting equipment. I mean, you're really at the top of your game. And then like many folks who are conscious and who understand that we are here for a purpose, you said, I need to make a transformation here. And uh, and I remember because I mean, when I'm at a conference, I'm going a thousand directions, but I just had to answer that call. And you were like, please, you know, you're it's just unbelievable that I'm I'm coming to this inspiration today. And I've discovered you're a mile from my office. Can we meet? And I just every cell in my body said, I've got to connect with this Greg Nieko. And uh, it was just such a pleasure to be able to spend a lunch with you for you to give me your heart song, so to speak, and for me to just sit there with every cell in my body uh, screaming, saying, brother, follow your purpose, follow your intuition, follow your interest. Hemp is calling you. Hemp needs you and the many skills and experience and talents that both you and your wife bring. So thank you, Greg, for, for hearing that call, following that call. And man, did you take it and run with it and let that's what this show is about because it's, it never ceases to amaze me. It just continues to blow my mind where we've come from the fall of 2017. We're not even at the fall of 2020 yet. And yet this incredible body of work occurred through Hemp Northwest through 2017 and 19. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So again, uh, I'll try to be brief and it's hard to tell so much in a short thing. I mean, so many years, we call them the hemp years, right? Three years of hemp years is 20 years of your life. That you makes you it. like 300, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, so yeah, we, we got involved in hemp and really wanted to be involved in Washington state. And I think even in the early days, you told me go to Oregon, Washington's trouble. And we were committed. Tanya's family grew up in Washington, and we have roots there. And we really wanted to see it happen in Washington. We wanted to see hemp as a viable crop for Washington farmers. And we started working. We started looking into things, started networking. We realized that at that point and uh, with where we were in our lives and business, we didn't want to chase the cannabinoid production and oil seeds and hemp foods. I mean, I'll tell you the story. A uh, little side note. I decided I wanted to get involved in hemp and started meeting a few people and took some meetings. And I will be honest to everybody. Uh, I've been in hemp grain and hemp food production for three years. And I will say it's the, the side of the plant I knew the least about. And I went home to my wife one day and I said, I've learned all this stuff. And do you have any idea how nutritious this stuff is, the food? And she walked over to the pantry and grabbed a bag and said, do you have any idea? I've been feeding this to you for years. And so that was kind of the synergy there that, food was right for us because I didn't even know I was eating hemp food. And I'm a, I'm a very big supporter of the plant in every way. And so we dove in and uh, started the company Hemp Northwest in the fall of 2017. And right as we were getting ready to file in Washington, this is November, uh, Washington defunded the program. And an email went out, there was no program. And we are fortunate. We live in White Salmon, Washington, right across from Hood River, Oregon, on the border of Oregon, Washington, the Columbia River. And we went to Oregon and filed our business the next day. And we are actually located currently about 100 yards from the state line in the Columbia River, looking out at the state of Washington. And it took becoming an Oregon business and working with Oregon Department of Agriculture to get Washington over the hump so that we could process Washington grain. And so we started that year in 2018. We worked with the Colville uh, Confederated Tribes in Northeast Washington 
and they grew a hemp grain crop. And as you may know, and your viewers might not, back in 2018 in Washington state, we still couldn't get any domestic seed. Anything had to be imported through a DEA permit, had to come in through an airport and cost way too much and have a DEA touch it. And so we grew varieties that weren't the best for Washington. Uh, unfortunately, one of them just did too well. It went 12 to 15 foot tall and wasn't harvestable as a grain crop. And we did get the other crop out of the field. And then uh, the fall of 2018, we processed uh, with an oil press that first crop and brought it to market uh, about three weeks before the signing of the farm bill. So I'll be honest, nobody made any money at any level in that, but it is our little feather in the cap. And we're proud to have uh, worked to bring the first Northwest grown processed and marketed crop uh, to be. And so we were in full speed at that point, 2019. Uh, we had less production. We'd made relationships in the industry. Uh, shout out to my good friend, Roger Gushis, uh, who's, we call him the godfather of the hemp grain industry. He's been very gracious with so many of us starting out. And we were able to get grain from North Dakota for a bit that we already knew was coming out of a food facility. It was clean to the level it needed to be. You know, we were still putting together the infrastructure. And so we did do some trials in Washington in 2019 and grew some crops there, actually all the way up on the Olympic Peninsula of all places with Nash's Organics, an organic field. And we trialed a few varieties and that was successful. And we were ready to take it to commercial production in Oregon and Washington for the 2020 season. Um, and that's kind of connecting those dots into 2020. And man, do we love Roger. I mean, not only is he just a superior quality human being, but what an incredible mentor. Um, we've certainly had Roger on the show. I just enjoy him in every direction. Um, and, you know, just to just to be able to take a teaching moment here, of course, for the listeners, Washington didn't actually defund the hemp program. They ran out of money because I, I think folks need to understand that everything costs money. If you're going to all of a sudden tell a state that they're going to start regulating hemp and they need a hemp program coordinator, that's a full-time employee. And that costs a lot of money and benefits, particularly in Washington. And that very first year, a lot of folks don't understand that we legalized through, through initiative of the people, adult use, I'm sorry, medical cannabis in the state of Washington in 1998, the year I moved here. Then we legalized through an initiative of the people, uh, adult use cannabis here in the state of Washington in 2012. And it took us another four full years to legalize the lawful planting of a hemp seed. Uh, and those first seeds, of course, were planted in 2017. I think that's probably the article that you were uh, talking about. But the fiscal note and the budget allotment for that first year was $150,000. And that was taken up with rules, costs, and the full-time employee to do all of that. And I would actually got some wonderful senator and a congressperson and Senator Hasegawa and Representative Cindy Ryu to prime sponsor bills that I wrote to uh, give the Washington State um, Hemp Program another year of funding. They were so wonderful and supportive. Unfortunately, those bills did not pass. So the next thing you know, no money, no program. And thank goodness uh, you took that, that advice and were able to move forward um, in Oregon and, and assist Washington in such a meaningful way. So 
that brings us up to 2020. Um, and Hemp Northwest is now also working with IND Hemp. First, tell us what is IND Hemp? What is it? What does that mean? Well, first, and we get this question uh, frequently, and I'll bring you up to speed a little bit. I just want to connect the dot before we jump in to Great. IND Hemp. We met uh, the principals at IND Hemp actually through our work on the Hemp Feed Coalition. And we were actually on calls together for months before we ever met. And we knew something was happening in Montana. You know, if you're trying to build a business and you're understanding what's happening in your region, you know, we knew something was happening in Montana. And we had to figure that out because it could affect our business and how we invest and how we, you know, build that business. And previously, nobody was within a day's drive of the Northwest. And so that was why Hemp Northwest took that leap to set up. And we met actually at the uh, Vegas Hemp Growers Conference. I believe you were there for the first day. Yes. yes. Um, and it was there that I finally met Ken Elliott and uh, Mike Herman, his partner at the time. And they were already in a good relationship with Roger as well. And we all went out to dinner one night. And it was the first time it was all hemp grain people at a table, a whole table of hemp grain people. And we just started communicating and realized that they were doing some big things in Montana. And initially, it came to the conversation of seed and they were licensing a seed variety and they were going to bring in enough volume of it that they were looking to expand that. And we talked about having IND hemp support the Washington, Oregon farmers that we were working with. And it was going to be a, a seed contract agreement that we were going to work with them on the seed. By the time we went to the market, this is just pre right before COVID hit everything. Uh, we made an agreement that IND hemp would back the contracts for the Washington, Oregon farmers, we would bring the farmers to the table and manage the relationships and run to the farm and support them on that level. And then we would have access as Hemp Northwest to purchase the grain from those farmers. But the scale above what we could handle would go back to Montana to the IND Hemp facility. Um, and then it was during that time of, of COVID, literally the day the market crashed, the next day I was walking around with agronomist Ben Brimlow with paper contracts in hand, talking to farmers that we'd talked to over the winter. And the, the common theme was, I just lost my retirement overnight. I don't know what's gonna happen. I can budget what I'm gonna lose on my beans this year. I'm gonna grow beans. And so we'd initially planned with IND Hemp to do uh, 1,000 to 1,200 acres in Oregon, Washington, a full semi truck of planting seed. Um, we ended up with a few hundred acres which worked out okay. So the question, what is IND Hemp? IND Hemp, IND stands for industrial. It was initially started as a uh, prefix, you know, a abbreviation. And Ken Elliott, our uh, founder and president, you know, he's got a, a quote that he said to me when I asked him, he said, well, you know, there's those THC guys and you got your CBD guys. We're the IND guys. We're industrial hemp, oil, seeds, and fiber. And we're all about creating opportunities for our farmers. And that's, kind of how IND Hemp looks at it. And uh, as we're gonna move forward and talk in the next few minutes, uh, things came together and we realized that our work in the market access and our reach in the Northwest and the work that I'd done in my business before really fit a need that IND Hemp had. And they are started by a group of engineers that are extremely technically capable and have the ability to build the infrastructure that we never did. And in June, I accepted a position as director of sales and marketing for IND Hemp and started working with them.
What a match made in heaven. What a blessing for you to have found IND Hemp and what a blessing for them to have come to you, Mr. Top of His Game, inspired by purpose, ready to share all of the things that you've know and learned and all of the corners that you can see around with the promise of this crop. So what industries does IND Hemp serve? Well, Joy, the, the easiest way, I think, to describe that is if I was to ask you, aside from cannabinoid hemp production, what types of products can we make with industrial hemp? Oh, my God. You are setting me up for my favorite. Favorite. I'm going to go for it. You'll stop me if I just keep going crazy here. But this is my favorite thing to tell people about. What industries does hemp serve? It's here to serve absolutely every need that plants, animals, and humans have here. We're talking human and animal nutrition, body care, essential fatty acid or omega dietary supplements, paper, textiles, building materials, biocomposites, bioplastics, industrial sealants and coatings, energy, batteries, fuel, nanotechnology. It is a vast spectrum. It is every need that humans, animals, and plants have, brother. Is Are those the industries that IND well, serves? Yeah. So if, if you're involved in any of those industries or products, then IND Hemp might be a great supply chain partner to uh, connect oh with. God. And I can describe that, uh, let you know a little bit about what we're doing. Uh, we launched our oil seed uh, food grade facility, uh, been built over the last year. They raised about 3,000 acres last year to launch with this facility. And unfortunately, uh, our oil seed, you know, top of the line from the bottom up uh, food grade processing facility for hemp seed oil, hemp seed protein, and we're just now installing the hemp heart line. Uh, we launched right at the end of February, planning to launch at Expo West in March, which as you know, was the first thing in the world that didn't happen. And uh, so we never really had an opportunity. IND Hemp, this was previously before I was involved. They never really had the chance to come out to the industry. And one thing that Ken and... Uh, I will explain. Uh, IND Hemp was started by a father-daughter team, Ken and Morgan Elliott, and uh, they have a technical background. And Ken has a background in environmental cleanup work. And I'll butcher it, uh, but the long and short of it is, he's the guy that went in and cleaned up everybody else's mess. So big-scale mining mess, oil and gas mess. Wow. Uh, he's been doing the environmental research to create the remediation plans that would clean up after that. Um, so that's his background and his daughter, Morgan. And can I just say, I, I forgot to say remediation in the million list remediation. You've even got that IND. So sorry to interrupt. I just had to say it even remediation. Okay? Yeah. And so uh, Ken's daughter, Morgan uh, is also a trained engineer. And she came up through the ranks of ADM and actually worked in ADM corn and soy plants for a number of years. And so when we talk about, we have a team that knows infrastructure, uh, we've got a team that knows infrastructure. And when we built the plant out here, uh, located in Fort Benton, Montana, we're in the heart of the golden triangle of grain production in Montana. Uh, most people would say it's the middle of nowhere, but the middle of nowhere translates to the most scalable acres and ready farmers that this industry needs. So we're located close to the farmers and Morgan brought some of the team that she'd worked with initially at ADM uh, to help get set up. So our plant manager, Patrick Rose, and then his wife, Jennifer Rose, uh, 
run the operations there. So we kind of built it with a core team and then started filling in with local guys. Uh, so Jared and Dan being our operators there from Fort Benton and uh, starting to build it out. So we launched the oil seeds and the world shut down and nobody knew what was happening. And really we're here to share an even bigger message on top of that. And I'll just lay it out if that's all right. Please. We're excited to announce that we have just had the groundbreaking of the IND hemp fiber decortication and processing plant. And that's the exciting news. We were graciously joined. We had a, a non-event event due to COVID and we can't be gathering. And so we had this grand idea of this big groundbreaking, tell the whole world that we're getting serious about fiber hemp. And we had a very small, intimate event. We were honored to be graced with the presence of Montana's senior U.S. Senator, uh, John Tester, who, as a footnote, I believe is the last actual combine driving farmer to hold a Senate seat. Uh, and he just finished up his wheat harvest. And he's actually located just about 35 minutes from our plant. So this is his backyard. This is his community. And it was great to welcome him for the announcement and really for us to share it here on Hemp Barons with the world. And so I know you've got a million questions. I'll stop talking and let you ask some and let's tell everybody what we're up to. No, it's just, it's so fantastic. I mean, and we say exciting. What words are you going to say? No, you can't see me. It's a podcast. I'm jumping up and down. My arms are waving, guys. This is thrilling because we're, we do have some, it's very small. We'll have many more, of course, um, grain processing facilities here in the United States. It's that valuable stock. The most valuable cellulose on planet Earth is that hemp stock. Sure. It looks like canaf or it looks like flax while it's growing, but on a microscopic level, the cellulosic makeup of that stock is the most valuable cellulose in the world. And But until we have infrastructure to process that stock, we waste them, we compost them, we burn them, we waste them, yet here they are the most valuable things in the world. And IND hemp is broken ground now right there in Fort Benton. And of course, you have the city mayor there too. You didn't just have senior senator, uh, senior senator John Tester, the mayor, both wearing hemp masks, I must say. Um, and you're breaking ground on the infrastructure, creating the market for the farmers to be able to sell more parts of that plant, to be able to get a return uh, on their investment and their dedication to the crop and their dedication of their land and resources, and most importantly, supply chain, supply chain. So how many times am I speaking to people in the paper, textiles, biocomposites, nanotechnology, building material, industrial sealants and coatings and fuel world, and they say, if only if there was just somebody processing some of that stock and I could get a hold of it and I could do some research and development. And that entire incredible set and spectrum of industries that can be served superiorly by this plant cannot move forward because that lack of infrastructure, that most important piece, and here IND is coming in to solve that problem and to build that supply chain. This is a public service. Now, I know it is a for-profit company and we cannot wait for you folks uh, and all of this investment and all of the risk that you're taking to realize a profit. And you 
you know you will build it and they will come and you're the first ones to start building on this level. Um, but the the what you are really talking about, because we need processing plants essentially within 50 to 100 square miles of the biomass feedstock itself, we're talking about crossing, really just filling in the dots, again, chopping the wood and carrying the water of building the hemp industries. That's what IND is doing. How many people, when it's at full tilt, full scale, that first plant, and I, I think I already hear you guys talking about potentially another one, but on that first fiber processing plant, when it's going full tilt, brother, how many people can it employ and, and how many acres of hemp can it serve annually? And I hope I haven't thrown too much at you with that. No, and, I, and I'm going to have to combine a, a few of those stats uh, for what I remember off the top of my head here. Um, but likely, you know, running three shifts with both plants, we're talking, you know, 50 or so employees here in the town of Fort Benton. And Fort Benton, I will tell you, is a town of 1,500 people. And let's take a moment uh, just to give a shout out to Mayor Morris. Um, the city of Fort Benton has been working for an economic development grant. And that grant is to continue the roads and the sewer and the water into an underdeveloped industrial park. And really on top of our oil seed processing plant and now this fiber plant, we're co-developing with the city extra property, for what we're gonna call the Montana Hemp Campus. And really our goal is to create opportunities for other businesses, whether they're second process processing businesses or downstream product makers to locate facilities here in Fort Benton, right next to where their source material is coming from. Um, so there's space, uh, we'll share the message out there. If you're looking to locate a company close to a fiber supply source, uh, I'd recommend you re reach out to Mayor Rick Morris and, uh, there might be some incentives and some benefits to uh, joining us here. And we also intend to build a hemp center of excellence and R&D facility, which we were already speaking with uh, Montana State University, some of the top hemp building companies. And really, we want to foster this industry the best we can and create a location here adjacent to the plant where those companies that are looking at processes and need to do R&D can do some of that here in Fort Benton as well close to the source. Um, I, I do want to make a comment if I can, and Please. just because it's so important in what we do and, and really it is the why of why we're here. And yes, IND Hemp is a for-profit company. I have the role of sales and marketing, so I need to sell some product and you know make some relationships. But I do want to share that IND Hemp is a mission-driven company and it's a privately owned family company. And I just want to share that with people because I think it's important and it really guides everything that we do. Um, and our mission here is to provide innovative agricultural products and services to connect American farmers with the pioneers and businesses that see hemp as a way to bring real and lasting change to our communities and the planet. So if you think about that mission, it's farmer first, it's connecting to industry and doing right by the planet. And really that's what we're all about. We're all about creating opportunities for Montana farmers. That was the catalyst that started IND Hemp when Ken and Morgan put the idea together. And you, you, I'll bring it right back around. You said, what kind of acreage can we support? Uh, we've got just over 9,600 acres in the ground right now across Montana and into Eastern Washington and Oregon. And that is both grain hemp. We've also got some fiber specific trial uh, sizing and we've got some dual crop 
stuff. So we plan to com uh, commission the plant uh, early Q3 of next year. Ground is broken. We're going to try to pour concrete before the freeze sets in. And full scale, both plants, uh, we can support around 30,000 acres. And we are located, as I said, in the golden triangle of grain production in Montana. And these farmers out here are looking for opportunity. And that's a point that the senator made yesterday, which is that farmers don't have much opportunity. And industrial hemp in Montana is that opportunity. It, it, Ten times over, when we're talking about Fort Benton and 1,500 residents, we are talking about the rural America in the heartland. We've got plenty of rural America, of course, you know, on both coasts. But we are talking about rural America. And that mayor and certainly your U.S. Senator John Tester out there in Montana to be so excited to really understand firsthand years and decades. And that, that Senator Tester, as you say, is a combine driving uh, farmer. And he was quoted in one of the uh, very recent articles, um, something that hasn't existed in this country before, now existing in Fort Benton is a very good sign. We are talking about hitting every single checkbox that hemp could possibly in its wildest dreams uh, hit with IND building an infrastructure in Montana, specifically in rural heartland uh, at Fort Benton. Just incredible here, brother. And, you know, I also, before we um, super wrap up for the listeners, can we talk just because, you know, we get new listeners all the time and different levels of sophistication with this very versatile plant, which many people sort of oversimplify, but the more they get into it, as you well know, the more they discover its complexities and or its uses. Um, so when we talk about processing the stock, we're talking first about decortication, right? We're talking about separating that outer bast fiber or bark of the stock from that inner woody core. And that's really the first thing that needs to happen is decorticating, separating the outer bast or bark from the inner woody core. And then there are several, it's endless really, what can go on from there in terms of adding lines. And just as you said, in the pro grain processing facility, you've been pressing oil, you've been creating protein powder, but now you've added to that line, a dehulling line, right? So that now you yep. can get to the, the hemp hearts. Let's talk for a second just to educate our listeners about IND Hemp's fiber processing facility. Clearly it's going to decorate where else will it go from there right now? And where do you see sort of in the near future building on that line, so to speak, if all goes well, according to the business plan? Yeah. So surprisingly, Joy, we've all thought all along that getting that decorticator was the big thing. And that was the first step. Uh, once you start looking into it, there's actually companies, uh, I'll share it. We're working with a company called La Roche out of France. Uh, they've been making fiber decorticators and processing equipment for years. They've, they've kept making it and that equipment is available. Uh, but surprisingly, as I've learned more and I'm, you know, I come from oil, seed and grain and I've learned about fiber as we've gotten involved. There's a lot that happens before that decorticator that is big money and big equipment that you wouldn't even think about, you know, at the scale that we intend to operate, you know, we're putting in a, a five ton an hour LaRoche line and at that scale, if we're running 24 hours a day, we're talking about three to four semi loads of bales coming in a day. So a, a fiber processing plant at scale starts with what we're doing with the city right now, which is relaying roads because 
this process has to start with planning for truck traffic that's coming off of these farms. Luckily, we are in a grain production zone. If you look at some of those interviews, you'll see uh, a fertilizer plant behind us, our oilseed plant on the hill. There's wheat bins all around. So the roads are made for hauling trucks. But the first step in this is making the unloading for the trucks. And then picture four semi loads of bales coming in every day and the unloading and the bale breakers just to open those up before the decorticator. So yes, in the processing step, that decorticator and the separation of the bast and the herd uh, is the first step. But at scale, there's a lot of planning before uh, that hemp ever gets to that decorticator. And then downstream, our intention is to be what we call the first step processor. And that's what we're doing with our oilseed plant. And that's what we're doing with our fiber plant. We're a business to business company. We're a supply chain partner. We're a scaled agriculture partner. You know, there's we're talking to some of the others in the industry that just need some additional grain production. And they know that we've built relationships with our growers here. And we're going to be placing some production for some other grain processors as well. And then we process that and we have the hemp seed oil, the hemp hearts, the hemp protein. And then on the fiber, we'll do that separation. And there'll be a few steps of cleaning and sorting. And honestly, I'll tell you more as it comes together. Some of it's over my head for now. Uh, I can tell you, picture a, a Air Force Base style hangar and an equipment line that runs end to end and semi trucks of bales come in one end. And at the other end, we're going to have bagged and baled herd. We're going to have bast fiber, uh, initially short fiber with the dual crop, eventually learning the equipment. And uh, we've been working on some fiber specific varieties and trialing that in dry land in Montana. And then the, the separation, I know big in your heart, uh, the hempcrete option. And really most of those downstream processes are sizing and milling processes. And so uh, if you mill it all the way down to a fine powder, that's what companies are using for bioplastics and for uh, like PLA, 3D printing filament. Um, in a larger size, that's your hempcrete and hemp building. Uh, you've got animal bedding spec. And really, that's why we're reaching out to the industry and building this hemp campus is that we'll get that fiber in. Well, let me start at the beginning. We'll get the farmers to grow the crop. And we've built those relationships. And we're ready to scale that. Our growers are ready to scale that. And we'll get that material, whether it's oilseed or fiber, into the plant and through a first level processing. And then we're looking for supply chain partners where everybody's spec is a little different and it might be another mill or it might be you take it like this. And, you know, even though we're building a big plant, we're still learning as well. And we all need to figure that out and move forward and make some great relationships and uh, help build this industry in a domestic American supply chain. For, and first of all, thank you so much for the processing lesson there. Boy, I was I was trying to lob you an easy one, Mr. Grain Guy, but geez, you are more sophisticated than I was giving you credit for, uh, brother. So thank you for that excellent lesson. And, and most importantly, thank you for building it so that they will come to creating the short bass fiber, the herd, the animal bedding, the powder. And of course, as you know, you've only touched the surface in just some representative examples of all of the different products and industry that even those initial processed uh, stocks uh, can serve. One thing I can share with you real quick, Joy, is uh, we did lease some uh, small scale pilot, basically we call it a pilot line, and we did break some bales open in the last couple months. And 
got our guys used to, you know, evaluating how the bales come in. And we didn't tell anybody what we were doing. There's been no public information. And yet I've been talking to people all over the country that somehow found out that we might have some fiber or something going on. And we sent a bunch of samples out. And I will tell you that America is ready for industrial hemp fiber. 100% of the people that we engaged with followed up and said, when can I get a semi-truck? When can I get two semi-trucks? And we had to shut it down and say, we're not doing anything till we open the big plant. We're putting our heads down. We shipped the pilot equipment back and said, no, we need to put our heads down, get this facility up and running by next year's harvest and really take this to scale because the demand is there, the industry is there, and they've just been waiting for you know, all of the powers to come to be and work together and, and make it happen. Incredible is all I can say. Um, just, I cannot wait to go out there. I mean, you, you're talking about your center of excellence. I'm like, I didn't want to say it because after 30 years of paying for my own flights, but I'll just say it. I will pay for my own flight. I cannot wait for the center of excellence, brother. I mean, what you're doing there is just absolutely incredible. Um, it is such an honor and such a pleasure to know you, Greg, to watch this journey, both you and your incredible wife, Tanya. Um, it, it's just amazing to see uh, your true heroine, heroine in all of this. I cannot wait to meet the team at IND Hemp. It's just a great pleasure and an honor to know you. Greg, not only thank you for being on the show today, brother, thank you for everything that you do for hemp in all of its forms. Well, thank you, Joy. It was a pleasure to speak with you and have the opportunity to share with the world what we're doing. And uh, I know we have the initial relationship and I'm kind of the new guy to IND Hemp and the whole team right now is heads down building stuff. But I really look forward to maybe next spring introducing you to Morgan Elliott and we can talk about the woman that built it. We'll be so excited to have them on. Awesome, Greg. Thank you so much. Until next time, brother, wishing you everything good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.